Listen up. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Louisville Urban League's radio show and podcast hosted every week or released every week on Thursdays. You can catch us live on 101.9 FM, WLLV, or 1240 AM um, at 12 noon from 12 to 1230. Or you can catch us anytime on um, wherever you find your favorite podcast show. And now you can find us on YouTube. Please subscribe, rate us, review us, let us know what you think of the show. Welcome back to everyone. I am glad. My name is Lyndon Pryor. I am the interim president and CEO of the Louisville Urban League. Some call me the voice. Um, and I'm just glad to be back this week. Um, this is has become a bit of a safe space and safe haven for me. And so um, I'm excited to be back with you all. I hope and pray that your weeks have been great um, and it all is well in and around your lives. This week I'm super excited because I've got another friend, another big homie, um, somebody who is doing great work um, around the city, but somebody who has also been a tremendous benefit to me as uh, a leader in the space and as somebody who is doing this work uh, for and on behalf of black people, Mr. Dave Christopher Sr. Um, President CEO of Amped. Welcome, sir. Welcome, my man, for real. Like I, I'm, I'm, sitting there, I'm sitting there listening to your intro, dude. I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I, I want to be a radio host, too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, for real. Like, Sounds like I've done this a few woo, weeks. Man. what'd you say? I'm like, this guy, this guy rehearsed. I don't know, man. <laughs> and I didn't. That's the thing. I'm so I proud of myself. It right. isn't really actually rehearsed, man. It's it nice, is, It has happened. I appreciate yeah. that. Welcome, man. I appreciate you being here. And there's a whole lot of different things. You know, I was just telling you before we got yeah. started, lots of different things we can talk about, um, all sorts of stuff. And some of it we're going to get deep into, some of it we're going to just kind of get past or glaze over. But where I want to start is just to make sure that people know you and, and what your background is and what you were doing over in Amped. And so give the people kind of the, the quick and dirty bio on who Dave is and what Dave is doing. So quick and dirty bio from the, from the, from the beginning. Uh, little black boy, Gary, Indiana, uh, the project's Concord Common Village. Um, fast forward to, to Air Force. Uh, then on to, uh, you know, went to, to self-taught technology, worked in technology, um, left there to start my tech company, um, stumbled into nonprofit. <laughs> I mean, literally, stu <laughs> literally stumbled into nonprofit in 2014. It was so funny, though. It, and when I say that, I mean that sincerely. Like, um, it, before Amped was even Amped, I had actually started a, a, a record, built a recording studio for a friend. Um, to help them raise money for their organization. And at the same time, we were having problems with kids or, you know, kids running the streets or whatever. And I, and I always say this every time I get a chance to speak is I don't believe that they're bad kids. I really sincerely don't. I mean, I, I feel like there are kids that don't have anything to do. And so they're going to find, just like I did when I was a kid, we're going to find something to do. Mm -hmm. And people, you hear people all the time saying stuff like, well, they need to make better choices. Come on now. Like, you can't say that and then don't give them better choices. So anyway... So before AMP, and so anyway, the thing came and I was like, okay, they need a program for young people. And the word AMP popped in my head, literally, like, as I was driving up north to Indianapolis to check on my sister. I was her guardian at the time after she had had a stroke, and I was going to meet yet another lawyer about another thing. And, just, and it just kind of, it kind of built from there. And so that's how the music program started. 
Um, and then we just, from there, as you know, we like, we just, we just met the need. Like people, one of the things people say about um, nonprofit is that, you know, find the thing you do best and do that. And so when, when, when I was talking to my board about doing technology training, they were like, wait a minute, we do music, right? We work with kids. Well, I said in 2014 when I, when I built, when I created the organization, when I founded it, that it was, and I, I didn't even know what this meant. I tell people this all the time. I didn't know what it meant when I said, it, this is more than about music. The music was simply the tool. I didn't realize it at the time. God knew, right? But I, I didn't realize it at the time. But um, so, anyway, just kind of, and then led it to the technology workforce development program to uh, the, most recently the business incubator. But like I said, when I stumbled into it, I didn't even know about nonprofit. I didn't know what five hundred one c three was. Uh, Susan Berry from the Community Foundation of Louisville came to me one day in two thousand fourteen and said, "Dave, you need money." And I was like, well, "What do you mean?" Because at that point, I was literally like taking money from my business account for my personal account, my business account for my tech company, right. and putting it into the nonprofit. Huh. I did I mean, and I don't even know if I could literally call it a nonprofit because I didn't have a 501c3. And then when they told me that. You were like, just an organization. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> I was just, you know, trying to do some stuff with mm-hmm. the kids. And mm-hmm. so it kind of, that's, so that's, and here we are, so. Wow. So let me ask, because I don't think I've ever asked you this. Are you a music guy? Like, why, <laughs> why was music the thing? Because I've always known you about tech and even, you know, your interests in business and your military background, but I've never heard. Does Dave sing? Does Dave play music? Does Dave do <laughs> Ooh, any of these do things? not want to hear this dude sing. Like, my fa- <laughs> it's crazy because my father, my brother, my father was a preacher, right? And they called, mm-hmm. they referred to him as the singing preacher. Mm-hmm. He was that preacher who would sing before every sermon and he had a beautiful voice. My brother, wow. as, the brother's a preacher also. He, yeah. you know, he said he does like follows my father's Dave no no not at all. <laughs> but I referred to myself as a piano school dropout okay and so the way I ended up in music really was like um, I moved here to Louisville from Atlanta to get custody of my son mm. and he was like 10 at the time and I was living in Atlanta some things went down and I thought I was gonna custody him in Atlanta that didn't work out and so uh, my ex was like hey if you were closer maybe mm. so I just I, I went on that word and I asked my, my company at the time I was working for a company called Federal Sound as a project manager, like, hey, I need to move. <laughs> and I was like, wherever, where, wherever's going to put me closer mm-hmm. so I can see if this will work. And they moved in. They moved into Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, my mother passed away not even a week after that. Or so was like shortly uh-huh. after that, my mother passed away. I went home for the funeral and my ex's um, mother convinced her to let my son come live with me. Wow. By that point, he was 11 years old. Mm. And so the, the, the way the music thing came about was, like, I was, I was trying to figure out, like, how do I, I was panicking, honestly, he's like, seriously panicking, like, how am I going to raise this kid by myself? And I was watching, we were watching this movie called Cheapest Creepers, and I'm laying on the couch, and he's on the floor, and I'm, and I'm like, my heart's racing, and I said, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? To an 11 year old. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Dude told me, he told me later, he said, I knew I had to ask that question because if I didn't, I wouldn't get to watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> so he said, "Scary movie, by the way." Yeah, right. I, I don't, I don't even remember much about the movie because I was too, I was like yeah. panicked and wasn't even really watching the movie. He said, "I want to own my own recording studio and I want to be a producer, a music producer." Mm. And I was like, "Okay." And I literally like that's all I needed. I didn't care if you met that or not. Like mm. I, did, I just needed an answer. And so I, I, I went to bed that night. And the next morning, my son comes to my room early in the morning, like, Dad, I really want to do that. I'm like, do what? Like, I, like, I, like I'm already past that already. <laughs> and he told me, so I went out and bought two books, one on how to start a recording studio and one on how to um, be a record producer. And I mean, like, I bought thick books. Mm-hmm. Like, my, my plan was to, like, I, was, I read them first, but I didn't think he'd read them. Right. 
And so, like, this is how I'll get out of it. Like, I'll read this book. I'll tell, actually tell you to read it. You won't read it, and we're done. Right. Nah, he read them. He, uh-huh. he, read, he read those books. And so the deal I made with him at the time was, you do your part, I'll do my part. So, like, anything that you want to buy equipment, equipment-wise, you have to come up with half, I'll come up with half. He did it. First thing he bought was, like, a four-track recorder. Mm-hmm. He came up with half of it, I came up with half. He got a, a drum machine, a beat machine. He came half, and I promised him when I moved into a house big enough that I would build him a full-size recording studio. In high school, he was the kid that's known as the kid that had a full recording studio in his basement. Wow. And I ain't about like a little room. Like it was a, yeah. a, a vocal booth, a little, a little sit area, a control room. Like it was serious. Wow. Had all the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And he spent all of his time in it. Wow. And so fast forward to, to, the, to 2014, I, I just thought like, you know what? I wonder if that would work for, like, because uh, I, I do. Like as I said, I, I believe the kids are good, right? Will this work for other kids? And so since 2014, and this is, I don't do it, get to do it as much now because we've grown so much I don't get to do it. But, like, I used to, every kid that walked through the door, I would tell them, you do your part, I do my part. You mm-hmm. do nothing, I do nothing. But that ain't throwing you away. That's saying when you're ready, come on back because I got you. Right. And I can speak to that, right? Like, so for folks who don't know, and man, I don't know what year was that my nephew was here. So I have a, an adult nephew who is finding his way or has been finding his way in life, um, was real interested in technology. Um, and, you know, and my wife and I, you know, offered him the opportunity to come spend, you know, some time here just to figured some things out. You know, he was nine credits away from finishing his college degree, but just didn't seemed to have the motivation to get it done. It was just kind of kind of spinning around. And so I invited him up here and said, like, hey, you know, maybe I can I can connect you with Dave and get you into a program. He went into, um, you know, AMP's technology program, which, I mean, I think truth be told, we can say, like, he was probably more advanced than what y'all were mm-hmm. doing at the time. Yep. But, you know, you and other folks there, Monica and others, you know, really said, like, all right, here, we can give you more than what the rest of the class is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're interested, here's the stuff, here's the resources. Um, and, and Dave promised him, like, you know, if you want to go sit for these exams, all you got to do is you do your part, study, and get ready. I'll make sure that you can you can sit for the exam, and he's done it, and and he is back in Texas now, and I think I've shared with you he's got full time gig, he's yeah. doing IT for the district attorney office down there, nice. he's been promoted twice, wow, um, you know, got full benefits, you know, that's how you've arrived, you, you did, you, you, you got full benefits, well, you got the insurance, exactly, you got, you got, got the insurance. insurance, you know, just, not just health, but you got health, <laughs> dental, and you vision, did. Like, you got all of them, I get my so, teeth clean, all of that sort of stuff, just got my copay, um, <laughs> no. um, you know, and he's doing well. And so, you know, when, when Dave says this about what he's done for his kids and the kids who come through AMP, like I am a living testimony of that. And my nephew is a living testimony of that type of generosity. And I don't even necessarily, I mean, it is generosity, but it's also yeah. just a commitment, right? Mm-hmm. Like to, we're going to make sure that, that y'all are good and I'm going to do what I can to help you, you know, succeed in whatever way that I can, and I and I see that through everything that Amped has done and that Amped is doing, and that is that is awesome. Which kind of makes me want to pivot to, you know, the path. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we were, uh, you know, I talked about this some with Anthony Smith. So we as as Black leaders were on this call during the pandemic. Really, it kind of started out trying to figure out like with who got toilet paper. 
right? Like who got it's toilet real. paper, who got it's paper real. towels? How do we get these things? We all trying to figure out how do we pay people who can't come into work? <laughs> um, how do we sustain ourselves with grants that we don't know if they're going to pay out because we can't open our doors or whatever the case may be? And really just trying to triage, you know, not just our organization, but the services that we provide. And in the midst of that, obviously, Breonna Taylor is killed. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're dealing with all the civil unrest, you know, our staffs, um, ourselves, you know, our community out in the street protesting, doing all that kind of work. Um, and then, uh, you know, June 1 happens and David McAtee is killed. Yeah, that's crazy. And, you know, and that, you know, for that group um, was, I just remember, and I don't, were you on the call that day? I was on the call. Yep. Yeah, and I so I, I'll ask you. I was in tears, shit. dog. We were all in yeah. tears. Yeah. How did you? How do you remember that moment? Because it's interesting when I talk to different people who were there that day. We all, I think, our emotions are all the same, but we all remember it slightly different. So, how do you remember that day? I can't curse on this podcast. You can. We can but, beep it if we need. But to. like, <laughs> but like, I was like, "Fuck this! Like, yeah. this is crazy! Like, it, it was like again, y'all for real? Like, y'all, y'all ain't done yet." Mm. Like you again, yeah. And I was, yeah, you gotta, you, you, so I, I was, I was like, you gotta be kidding me, dude. Like I was just so, we were, because this was what's crazy about like the whole time, right? Like the pandemic and the, and the murders and all, like, all the stuff, right? Was that, and I told people this is like, suddenly we had, we were given permission to cry and curse, mm -hmm. because if you think about it, up until that point. It, it just wasn't, it, you, it wasn't healthy. You couldn't do it because like, you would literally be crying every day. You'd be cursing every day. And that's not, you can't get, you can't get nothing done. Like you said, like I'm feeling that now, like right now, just thinking about that, that time yeah. was that it was just, God damn, like, yeah. you so, good. It's like, come on y'all. Like, like when, when, when do we, when are we done with this? Right. And that's, that's kind of, I felt like I was just mad. I was like mad. And, and sad and angry, like the whole thing, man. It was like crazy. And then because because the, I knew I was, but the beauty of it was I was I was if you will, even though we were on a Zoom, the beauty of it was we were we, it was like we were in a room together. Yeah. Like that's how close that that group was. Was like yeah. even though I'm sitting in my office in my house, like and you're sitting in your office at your house, right? Mm -hmm. We it still felt like we were in the same room together. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was a it was a bunch of screens, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah, and you had, you know, Sadiq was out actually at, you know, 26th and Broadway. Um, and so we could hear, for those who weren't down there, and there were several people who were, but for those who weren't, like, to hear it all, it was so, I mean, you're right. It was like we were all standing right there, mm -hmm. you know, holding on to each other, and it felt so unbelievable. Right, like it's just you just could not, yeah, you just could not imagine that in we ain't done yet, you know, like, yeah, in the year twenty twenty, that this is what this was because it it did not feel it. I mean, it felt intentional, right? Like that's that's the thing. It, it and I believe it was though. I mean, that, I mean, I, I, like I don't know, man. I I remember like watching. Um, we were, me and my son and my daughter and my wife, we were, we were watching some news coverage from the protests or whatever. And this crushed me, this hurt me so bad. My son, who at the time, he was like, I guess about 30 or so, 31 or whatever, is sitting on the couch. And I remember him looking at the TV just like, and just with his head, because I could feel like his energy, right? And I'm sitting in my chair and I look over at him and he looked at me, he's like, dad, it don't matter. Mm. 
They're going to kill us either way. It doesn't matter what we do. Mm. And I'm like, y'all broke my Like, this is what y'all doing to my child, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how, that's how much it, it hurts. It's like, this young man is doing everything he thinks he, he needs to do. He's following all the rules, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it does not matter. Yeah. There's no way to explain that to him. None. None. There was <laughs> like, nothing. Like, there was what none, are the words? There was nothing I could say to him in that moment. Like, all I could do is be angry and figure out, like, that's – and then going back to the path forward, I mean, that was a blessing, man. That was a blessing because it was a way to – it was interesting how – like, I, and I still feel this about the path forward now. It's like it was a way to be in a room, a safe space, be angry, be, be sad, and be productive. Yeah. And that you can't always find that. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, yeah. if, you, if you're so angry that you can't think straight or mm-hmm. you're so sad that you just break down, right, you can't, you can't then all at the same time be productive. Mm-hmm. But when you got people, like, as you, as you teetering, right, you falling left, you leaning left and right and falling forward and about to pass. Like, like, you know how you're in church when somebody get the, when they get yeah. the Holy Ghost, somebody come and prop, <laughs> come prop, prop them, them up. up. You know what I'm saying? But that's how it felt. In that, that's how it felt, like, for yeah. the path forward, man. I mean, I really, you know, yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, there's so much about that time and the coming together. And so, for folks who don't know, so Dave McAtee is killed June one, um, and that group of people, you know, we essentially said, and I, you know, I can't, I can't remember who said it on the call, um, but we somebody was just like, this can't go on. Like this, we we not doing this, not another day. Um, something's got to change. Um, and 18 days later, which is also very crazy to think about, like 18 <laughs> days later, um, we have a path forward. We have a document that gets delivered essentially to the city. Yeah, the letter yeah. was written to the mayor and it was for, um, you know, they were a primary target, but um, it was for the entire city, the state, to put people on notice that we, would, we, we need to have control of our own destiny, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have the ideas, um, we have the abilities and the wherewithal to do for ourselves what you simply refuse to do for us, despite the fact that you have been elected and chosen and all of these other things. And that, for me, is where you in particular, Dave, stand out, because I think throughout the whole process, so we write the document, and then, obviously, the real work begins. Like, all right, so how do we actually make sense of this? <laughs> right? Like, we, what are we going to do Like, what are we going to actually Another do? Another piece of paper. We, yeah, yeah. we to put some people on notice. Like, all right, so what happens if somebody actually gives us some money? <laughs> what happens if somebody actually, you know, turns to us to do some work? And what, I, what I'd want you to speak to is one of the things that, you know, um, that I was struck by very early on, and I don't even know if you remember this, but we were on a call with the same group, but I think it had expanded slightly because we had some allies jump on, and we, we love our allies. They, they do this. But we were on a call, and one of those folks piped up and was like, well, you know, maybe we should look to hire a consultant. <laughs> and to bring somebody in. <laughs> and I don't know if you even remember this, but you went off (laughs) you went off on this call about how we ain't got to bring in damn nobody we have done every study we have done every survey there are on that call folks with all kinds of advanced degrees (laughs) 
literally decades upon decades of experience, people who are doing this work every single day. The only thing we have not had, if I remember you saying correctly, is we have not been given the access and the resources to do the work at the scale in which we need it. Yep. We ain't bringing in nobody, and I don't care what nobody else said. Do you remember saying I, that? I do. Because <laughs> I remember it's, it's the trick move. It's the trick move. It's the, it's the thing that you do every time. Let's study it. Like, I don't, I don't need to study this again. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I got, we know what it is. Right. And what's crazy is, and I tell, like, our businesses this, like, when I, it always bothers me when I hear a business say, I'm trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you know what you're doing. You got to figure it out. The fact is you don't have the money to do it consistently. You don't have the resources you need to do it consistently. You know what you're doing. We've been, <laughs> we've been, do, we've been doing this consistently. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we've been, think about it. We made chitlins a meal, dog. We, right. we, we the ones, right? Yeah. And, but the fact is, is that we had to figure out how to do it what we had. And so it never got to the level. And then here's what's even crazy when you think about, it. like, when we did get it to a level that, it, that was sustainable, then they bulldozed it down. Right. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah, or they blow fire, it up. They, they, they air bomb it. You dig what I'm saying? Like they, that's, you know, when I say they, I mean the, the, the power structure, the people that, here's what's crazy, is I want to make you believe that it's not that I hate you. It's just that, like, I don't want, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. No, no, you hate me. Right. Like, you literally hate me. You, you, want, you don't want, it's, a, it's like you want to be in this position and you want me in another position, right? We, it's like, you know, like a zero-sum game. I can't have and you have, right? Mm-hmm. When the fact is, that, like, you know, back when I did what I did, like my, my former life, we, you know, we, we always said everybody going to eat. Everybody There's enough bread eats. out here for everybody. Mm-hmm. But that's not how people think. And even, pe- even people now, like, even in our incubator, and I'll say this in our incubator, we have to make sure we, people can understand that this ain't a competition. Yeah. Like, there can be more than one bread store. There can mm-hmm. be like there's there's a there's a Kroger there's a there's a Meyer there's a like there's there's more than one place doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and we can all make money off of it, right? Right. But dad, I, man, I, like yeah, another another, like who who's gonna tell me better about me than me? Absolutely. And I think the other point that was made there was that who gonna tell us how to do it? Because it's not been done anywhere, you know. And I I did said this on on just the previous podcast is like what the path is and what the path represents is something that has never been achieved in any city in this country. And I don't know that it has been achieved anywhere else on the face of the planet in which you have taken a community that has been systemically um, disinvested in, disenfranchised, discriminated against, and then had that community through equitable processes be elevated to a place of equality and still allow, you know, for all of the other people to still survive and thrive around mm-hmm. them, right? Like, so there are certainly places in which, you know, the power structures have been toppled and those people have been done away with. Yes, that exists. Right. Um, and there are certainly been structures where people have maybe gotten parts of their population to, you know, um, places of true equity and thriving, but places in which where everybody really gets to arrive at the same place, We've never seen it before. Right. Like, it just has not happened. And so for somebody to suggest that, oh, yeah, y'all can bring in these other folks because they can show you how to do it, it was, I mean, <laughs> yes, it's it was dumb. dumb. And it was so insulting. But I think what was what was great about it with you, you know, for me is that I think, you know, because I was playing facilitator, and I think there were people who started to consider it, right? Like, because I think people, oh, hell yeah, they do, you know, they, yeah. they kind of, 
recoiled and was like, well, yeah, maybe we do need to ask. Maybe we do. And it, and it took somebody to step in, you know, with, with some real firm courage to say, now, hell no, we don't. We got this. We can do this. And, <laughs> right. and, you know, and that gave everybody, then everybody's chest puffed out. Then it was a whole bunch of other people who started chiming. Like, you know what? You are, you're right. We can, we can do this. We don't need to do that. We're going to put that to the back burner. Appreciate your suggestion. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here. However, we're going to no. do this a different way. <laughs> no. Right? Like, we're no. going to move. Not doing it. So, um, so that leads me to, to another thing. And I talked about this with our brother Anthony a little bit. My guy. About, about courage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how does, in your mind, how does courage in, and leadership, um, how do they work together? And what is the value of one to the other? I mean, so one thing I say is like I think you know courage is one thing, but like that doesn't mean that you're not fearful, that you don't you're not afraid. Because mm-hmm. like I think as a leader, you, if you're not afraid, you got a problem. Like that's like you don't know what you're really facing, right? If you're not afraid, but then you have to have to have the courage to push past what you're afraid of, and that's kind of how that works together. But for me, you know, if you're asking me as me as a leader, my my strength comes in to play when I with, with the statement simply that I don't answer to anybody but God. Like I like I like I'm not worried about what you think about I'm not worried about what you have or what you don't have like what 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 I like people it's funny because I say this all the time it's like people act, people will say you know what God has for me is for me and then they don't act like it mm. you know what I'm saying <laughs> then, right. then you start then you start trying to chase down a person that's somehow gonna give you what you need no God will provide what you need right like like literally like I can tell you that with with the with what the work, the work we've done since 2014 it's just my life in general right mm-hmm. is that what I needed God always brought to me and by that I don't mean I stood by waiting right I I, I moved as I as I felt like God should have, would want me to move right mm-hmm. but then those those opportunities because I tell people if I had my way I'd be dead or mm-hmm. in jail you know what I'm saying like I literally like did everything I could to ruin my life mm-hmm. God was like no nah, I got I got something different like so you can you can that's you can want to do that you can try to do that or maybe unconsciously you try to do that right or subconsciously you try to do that right but like that's not what i have for you right and when you when you're willing to like let it be my will mm-hmm. so like when i walk into a room i'm good because yeah. what i'm supposed to have i'm gonna have yeah it's gonna come regardless yeah so for because one of the things you just said in there was like you know it's not about also just not standing still and waiting on it, right? right. Like you you do, you, you use your hands you, and you do what you can with, with what's in front of you and doing the work. And it's interesting because when I had um, Cynthia on, um, our director for our Center for Entrepreneurship, you know, we obviously talked a little bit about the incubator. And, and you know, and she said, she's like, hey, now, um, we love Dave and, and the incubator, <laughs> but you know, I, we tell people all the time that that is not for the faint of heart, right? Like, Absolutely you, <laughs> not, dog. So ask the participants. Yeah, that rough. ain't just one of those things that you know you get in and you go make it. And so, nope. tell the folks, you know, pivoting to um, RTBI and and what you're doing over there. What is that experience like? Like, kind of, what is it? Because you know, folks are gonna want to know. But what is it, and what's that experience like, and what is the expectation you have for those those young entrepreneurs or or old oh, entrepreneurs? Yeah, young, young and old. Yeah, yeah. Not all the way. I mean, all the way sixty, you know, sixty some years old. I think it's like probably the oldest person on the, in the thing. But like, I'll, so let me start with what it's not. It's not what you're used to in the sense that like there's this program you go to, you t- you check these boxes, and then somebody hands you a check. Mm-hmm. That's not what. It, that's what it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, and I want to say that and be clear about that because. 
uh, I was just having a conversation with one of the graduates just today before I came over here. And they were talking about, like, they were saying people were like, well, why didn't you? It's like you have an opportunity to do a funding request toward the, the, the third quarter, whatever, for things you might need. And you may or may not get it, but depending on what we believe it makes sense for you to have, we're going to say yes or no. And he said that he never asked for anything, and people were like, why not? He said, because the knowledge that I got was way more than anything that they could have paid for. Like, I, you know, I, I, that's what it was about. So it's really, so the incubator is really about building that foundational structure, right, so that when you do get funding, when the money comes to you, you know what you're doing with it. That's right. the thing I think we, we think we can solve all the problems with the money, mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and, and get this, this is through trial and error, because I've been, we've done programs before. We had a technology firm, when your, yep. your, your, uh, brother, your brother-in-law was going through the program, it was like, we paid people to go through the program. And it was interesting because what we realized is you can't throw money at it. Even in, the, in, the, in the, uh, we did some so, sort of entrepreneurship stuff at the time, me and a friend of mine actually paid three people that we paid their bills for six months. Like mm -hmm. every single bill they had for six months. Because somebody did that for me. Paid every single bill, I mean literally every bill. If you smoke, you, whatever you spend money on, we paid that bill, like your clothes, like anything, mm -hmm. for six months so that you could focus on a business, right? Mm -hmm. What we realized is that that didn't work mm -hmm. because those people weren't ready to create a business. My thought, because it worked for me, but, but if, you, if you think about it, I was a business person already. Like I already already had the foundation of how to grow, and I really was really just trying to grow a business, right? Mm -hmm. And so this person literally came to me every month with a with a, a bank envelope full of cash that covered all my bills for that month, and just plopped it on the desk. Wow! And then that six months, I, I generated probably like a hundred fifty twenty thousand dollars in additional revenue um, because my mind was free. Like I was paying my bills, but like my mind was free. Mm -hmm. Because this money was like, it did, I didn't have to even think about it, right. right? And we tried that. So what you get in the incubator, it's literally, like, when, when, I, when I came in, it was through the path forward. It was, like, it really started there because, again, I was just so angry about everything that was going on. And I, and I saw these opportunities coming in terms of funding. You know, folks were starting to feel guilty, and they were starting to invest in, like, you know, black businesses and black, black, black things. And I was like, okay, my, my thought was, because I, I think I'm kind of smart in that I realized that this isn't going to last forever. Mm -hmm. Like at some point they're going back to business as usual. So my thinking was, I'm going to take what I have here and do whatever I can to create something you can't take back. We are in our third year of the business incubator. Mm. We got, we're, we're, we like class of, we've graduated class of 21, class of 22, and now we're sitting on class of 23 and we're right. still kicking. We've, through, the, through our partnership with the Louisville Urban League and the Center for Entrepreneurship, mm. we've helped hundreds of businesses, if not thousands, right? Because right? we had 900 people on the waiting list. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. we, we took 136 applications to, to be able to, to narrow it down to 36 businesses. Mm -hmm. So there was no shortage of like people. And so it's everything that you need to create and grow your business. So like the one thing I said when I came up with the idea, and, and it sort of started with me just being angry, right? I, yeah. I wasn't even really writing this document to do anything with it other than to just like, get these ideas out of my head about like onto paper about what it would take for a business, a black business to be successful, right? Mm -hmm. And I just started typing and it was like a five pages, and then I'm like it's 10 pages, and then I was like 70. And I remember sending it out to people, not for like funding, but like tell me where the hole is, like what's wrong with this document, what's mm -hmm. wrong with this, this thing I'm telling you, and don't just tell me what's wrong with it, tell me how to fix it, right? Mm -hmm. But what I realized they were doing, they weren't doing that. Right. They were actually sending it on to people. Right, so the Rockefeller, so the Rockefeller, so he called me. He was like, "Hey, the Rockefeller Foundation saw your document, and they was wondering if you would be willing to talk to them about funding it." 
Yeah, I guess. I mean, I hadn't got there yet, but I'll take it. Young Brands, Brown Foreman, uh, Humana, like all these folks. And when I talk about like what God has for you is for you, mm-hmm. like if you and you've seen our wall, like yeah. those people literally came to us or came to me and said, hey, I want to invest in this because I had put together a comprehensive plan of success. Right. Like all the things you needed. Like and, and, I, and I tell people it came from like everything that I thought I needed. I wish I had when I when I started my, when he, my first business or any of my businesses, right? Mm-hmm. And it was everything. It was access to fair capital. It was uh, the reliable networks. It was ex- education, that foundational education. And the, the cool thing about the, the education we give, it's not like we tell you some stuff we think we know, and then we give you we print out a certificate on the printer. No, these are from colleges and universities: University of Illinois, University of Virginia, Warren School of Business, on entrepreneurship, understanding accounting, like all those things. We have a full year for you have full year access to an accountant because you messed the money up. Right. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm saying? It's like, I mean, I know that personally. I was like $48,000 in tax debt, blessed that I could, I could make my way through that, right? But like, everybody ain't doing that. Everybody can't, you know, that, that, could, that'll, that would crush most, right? Mm-hmm. Um, access to mental health because I realized myself, whether I, whether I realized it at the time, I was, I was dealing with a lot of trauma. And, and I tell people this, and, and I don't say that this is wrong, but I'm just saying this is, this is my path. To this day, I've never borrowed money from a bank for any of my businesses. And not because I couldn't, because I didn't trust it. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, we're doing things around that, working with the Urban League and, and, and El Home and some other folks, right, on creating a $3 million loan guarantee fund, right, so that mm-hmm. we can get people fair access to fair capital and the right amounts of capital, right? right. So it's just a whole bunch of, I mean, I don't know if we have time for, like, all of it, but, like, it's, like, everything, like, Accounting, marketing, um, legal, uh, mental health, one-on-one coaching, all the stuff. All the things. And, I mean, I think that's what I love. Like, I mean, we're doing a lot of good work through the path, and there's a lot, lot, lot more to do. But I love the black business work, and it's and, – and why so much? And I talk about this when I, when I talk with Cynthia, um, but I will say it as often as I can is because – we have built and are continuing to build our own ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so when you talk about not being able to trust banks um, and, and what that is, like there is a whole history, right? Like there is a whole path of research around, you know, black folks not being able to get loans or not being able to get loans in the right ways and all of the different types of things that happen, um, as well as access to other technical assistance that an entrepreneur would normally need. Um, and what we did through the path and what you've done has essentially said, like, you know what? I ain't going to worry about changing what y'all doing over there. We're just going to build it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we have put that entire thing together, um, and it's working, right? Yeah. Like, And that, for me, is like the beauty of this. Because if there is one clear um, image of what the path is and can be and will be, it is in that space right now because mm-hmm. I think while certainly there is a lot more to be done, um, we can clearly see what it means for us to truly wrap ourselves around an idea and be able to not only build it but scale it but fund it mm-hmm. um, and begin to move that thing. And I mean, and that is absolutely, um, uh, you know, thanks to the work that you and Amped have put into this. Like there is no ecosystem. Um, in this work without you all as, as very much a centerpiece in that. And we've got lots of other partners in this as well, um, and not all black folks as well. Right. Like, I think yeah, that's, that's important. Like, there are folks who, who have loved on this idea and who are for 
um, this movement and who have contributed uh, in huge ways to see this come to fruition and who are still planning to do uh, remarkable things. And so it, it's just it's just beautiful, right? Like I am so in love with what we are doing in that space. And what I'll add to that too is that I think, you know, as, as we came along, right, from, from 2021 to like 2020, 2021, you know, first of all, we put like millions of dollars into like a year, like say somewhere around $3 million we spend on that program every year. And what's interesting is that as we as we went on, those banks that we talked about, like they're now coming in and saying, "Hey, look, we get it. Like we we want to we want to see how we can do things differently. How do we do things differently? How do we make it easier?" Because this is what I tell people. Like what I understand as a business person myself is, and me and Tammy York Day from uh, CEOC, we talk about this like when capital meets compassion, right? And what we mean by that is, as a business person, I understand that there has to be a financial return on your investment. Right. So so I'm so there's some things that I'm not saying that you shouldn't as a, as, a, as a business owner, you want to make money. Got that part. But what you can do also in that same in that same frame of mind is you can also lift people out of poverty by do, by changing some of those systems. Right. Like so. So like you're it's funny because I remember like we were in a call and I don't remember this call. We were on a call one time about uh, some funding that was supposed to come from the city or whatever. And so we were like, hey, can we funnel this? Make sure this money goes to West Louisville. And they said, well, yeah, we have to prove that, you know, that this is a disadvantaged community or whatever. And like, what? Like, how, how did, what, okay, so what do you need to prove that? And they said, well, you know, we have to do a study or whatever. It's like, well, there's studies that have been done. Do you remember when they said, they said to us, well, no, we have to get a new one. Yes. And I said, a new one for what? They said, well, because the, the, uh, the requirements are that we have a new one. I said, we, we, and I remember, because I think I asked this question. Like, so who made the requirements? Where, where did that come from? Said, well, we made the requirements. Then change it. Change the requirement, right? Like, that's dumb. Yes. Like, so basically, you're going to spend some money to determine what you already know. Mm -hmm. And so, like, but I, I do, I think as, we, as we've, you know, gone, as, as, and, I, and I don't think, because I'm not one of the people that believe in, like, haters. Like, I hear people talking, like, they, they don't, they hate on, like, I think that's dumb. Nobody's thinking about you like that. Like, they, like, <laughs> like you, ain't, you ain't really moving it. Like, you ain't really getting down like that for people to be, like, trying to stop you. Mm -hmm. You stopping yourself. Dion said that the other night. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Prime, he said that other night, and it's true. Like people, nine times out of ten, it's you. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, but I think that I think those 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 banks, those co those corporations, those foundations, those folks are coming. Now they slowed down, like I expected them to, right? Mm -hmm. Because they have to, you know, like even Rockefeller Foundation, they they pivoted to like um, environment, right? Mm -hmm. or, you know, and so like people have their little pillars or whatever. But what's interesting about, and I just use them as an example, right? Even though they pivoted to environmental. The, the project manager that we have for, for Rockefeller because we created relationships with her, that we still got money from them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, that, and I'll just say that I think that I'm saying that to say that that's important when you're doing this work, right, is this about relationships. It's not about, just like we're talking about, we can't just throw money at it. You have, like you and I will look at, we'll do whatever we need to do for each other because mm -hmm. we have a relationship. Right. You're going to talk about me just out, out there, when, like with Sadiq, I use her as an example, like, I remember I, it was a picture when I was speaking at the Urban League for something. I don't remember what it was. Mm. I didn't see the picture until later that somebody had took it, like, of me standing there speaking. It was funny. It had to do with the Center for – it was the launch of the Center for Entrepreneurship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was speaking, and Sadiqa was standing behind me, and I saw that picture later, and I just remember thinking how she was looking at me, mm. like, from behind. Like, I didn't see her, but the, but the look on her face was like, I love this man. I love – you know what I mean? Like, that, that was family. Mm -hmm. And I remember making a post saying – it's a beautiful thing to have people looking out for you behind your back. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. And that's what relationships do. And I think that's how we get to where we need to get to 
is that we got to get out of this transactional frame of mind and say, because I tell people I don't take money from everybody. Mm-hmm. When I, when yeah. I, you know that, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I need, like when you walk in the room, you got to impress me as much as you think I have to impress you. Like, I need to know whether you, like, we we going to do this, we just doing this just because you didn't write a check and you're going to take some pictures, or are we doing this because we we partners? Yeah. Because, I mean, the people matter, Dave. Like, that's, I think that is, you know, as I've done this work and, you know, been here in Louisville and kind of gotten entrenched in this, I think that is one of the things that I have come to the realization more so than anything is, like, how important not just relationships matter, but also just, the comportment of the people in this, right? Like it's, it's not just about how smart somebody is or, you know, what skill set they bring to the table or what educational background they may have. Like their, you know, their capacity to do the work on paper, right? That's one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's important. And, you know, and I always share like, it's a lot of people, you know, because I think nonprofits sometimes get shunned for this. They think like you just got folks who just walked in here just doing this, like making it up as we go along, as if if we ain't skilled, got tons of education and all that. So we got that, right? Like, so that is absolutely important. But at the same time, it's like who those people are, how those people think, how they feel about the work, how they feel about the movement, like all that stuff really does actually matter to the success of it all. And if we can't, and if we can't vibe in that way, then it don't really matter how smart you are, or yeah. what your experience is. Like it just, a lot of times it just ain't gonna work because you you gotta have people who are in this for all the right reasons and who are trying to do this work in ways that are compatible with the other people who are trying to do this work. And so like that point, cause I think you've made that a lot about, you know, particularly around the path and the work that we've done. I mean, even when we were in DC, um, with, with Jeffrey Kennedy and his folks, you know, <laughs> it was one of those things where we, I think we had a moment, we were all sitting together, a lot of the folks around the table, and it was like, no, this is family. We friends. Like, yeah, like this, yeah, we are friends. Remember, remember we that. do this <laughs> yeah. for real. Like, we do this because, like, it means something to us beyond, you know, whatever paycheck we get or whatever, you know, accolades that may come. Like, like this is who we are. Because we weren't picked we weren't picked to sit at the table because we were, we were sitting on a trip together. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you saw you saw around the room, like, oh, yeah, we sit together because we, you know, we, we, just work, here. we work in the same office. Like, okay, I don't really like her. But, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, but that, but that was different. And one thing I want to hit real quick is that, because I'm reading this book on leadership, and what you were describing is, like, those those skill the skill sets and stuff that you have is what we would refer to as a horizontal leadership, mm-hmm. right? But then there's that vertical leadership that people don't think about, right? Mm-hmm. So you got all the skills and all the tools you need to like do this thing, right? But then do you have those social skills that that carry that empathy, like all those things that that they you know that are vertical versus horizontal? Right. That's what that's the difference. And, and if you if you ask me, and I say this in our in our organization, right, in our music program and in our, all of our programs. I can I, I can teach you to do some stuff, but I can't teach you how to care. Right. And so that so that's what I'm looking for first. That's why like people ask like how do you how do you guys get so much done with such a small staff of people, right? Because we are we're pretty small, right? Mm-hmm. But because everybody care well, most I mean I I would hope that there probably maybe one slipping by me or something, but but for the most part, every you know <laughs> it it's happens. real, right? It happens. It happens, right? Yeah. So but but for the most part, everybody that works for us cares. Like they they we do what needs to be done. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody's like, okay, well, I don't know. I, you know, I don't like it's, 
and I get it. It's five o'clock. Go home. Like I, I, I'm, a, I'm big on work life balance. Right. Like anybody, you know. Like I don't, I don't do stuff after work. Likely, mm. I mean, it's got to be something that really is, you know. And yeah. I don't, don't call me on the weekend because I'm not doing anything on the weekend. That's why yeah. I told you what I told you <laughs> yeah. earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Like protect your, protect your mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, as we begin to wrap up, but I got a, I guess there are a couple questions I have. One is. In your, in your mind, because I know you're always thinking about this big picture in long mm-hmm. term, when you think about the past, so even beyond like the black business world, but the past, where do we go from here? How do you see what's, what's the next hurdle for us to climb or, or obstacle for us to, to you know, start you know, chipping away at? Like what's, what's next? So I'll start with the last thing you said about the hurdles and the obstacles. My father, who was disabled when I was a kid, used to tell us this. We know what the problem is. Look, look beyond that for the solution. So, so when, you talk, when you say hurdles or obstacles, I'm not focused on the, hurdle, the hurdles or the obstacles. We know what the situation is. We know we have to do it. So like when we look at like workforce development, we look at entrepreneurship, and we look at like housing and those things that are in the, in the path forward document, right? Is that we have to we have to we have to ask the folks we have to ask that the question of the folks that are coming along with us are they sincere about solving this problem or are they trying to and it's okay to you have to earn from it like you like you should make a living all those things that's that's not what I'm saying but like is this about you and what you get out of this or is this about us right is it really about us I mean and I and I just and I have to plug this is like we we're getting ready to build this 18,000 square foot technology training center at 17th and Market. That's about us. That's about getting black and brown folks into technology. Because when we talk about like how do we build up this community, the ecosystem you were talking about is economic. We, economic empower ownership equals independence, right? Mm-hmm. And so the economic empowerment is like we have jobs that pay above above a living wage, so that we can then invest in ourselves, right? So we can bring in businesses in the community because those businesses can be supported. Because a lot of times we want to act like people want businesses won't come into the community, and that's malicious when it's not always malicious. As a business person, I can't be somewhere where I can't make a living, right? right? So I can't open up a store in a place where nobody has resources to pay for the things I have in my store. So if we think, if we're being honest about it, right, then what we need to do is we need to really make people understand it really is about the money. Yeah, it really is. You got to put money in people's pockets. So that's that's economic development, right? But then also the business ownership. That's the generational thing, right? That's where we can we we learn what we need to learn. So I don't I don't necessarily see. Because I, I say I don't see the obstacles other than the systems that we need. And so Assistant Secretary Castillo, we got to meet with her like uh, maybe a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And she pushed back on my whole economic empowerment, ownership, and it equals independence. She said, Dave, I pushed back on the independence piece. And it made sense because this is what she said. It made real sense to me. Is if you think that way, that you need to be independent, then you change it for you. The system stays the same. So the work that you do in policy is, is what we want to do. I mean, I, like I sincerely started thinking about that. Is right. AMP has to have a, a, a part of us that does policy work mm-hmm. because I can make it good for us at this table, right, yeah. or us here in Louisville, but, but if, I don't, if I don't affect any policy, like we went in the banking system, right, when you're talking about like, because I remember talking to, them, to Chase Bank about some of the stuff that had come out in the news about some racist things they had done, and, and I remember one of the people said, well, I'm not racist. I said, get credit. I don't know you well enough to know you're not racist. I don't, I don't know you like that. I know that your, your, your bank at the time has, has racist 
systems, right? Right. And so I'm saying we need to fix that. Mm-hmm. And so I, so I don't necessarily see the obstacles. I think we know what we need to do. I mean, we, 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 I shouldn't say I don't say Like, I know we know what those obstacles are. We know what those hurdles are. And the biggest part of it is um, a lot of the systems and the policies and stuff that we need to change, things we need to put, put in place. But, but here's the, the biggest part of it is getting us economically strong enough, right, and having enough ownership of things to then hear, make our voices heard. Because that's the truth, right? I don't care. Who, I don't, you, can, you, can, yeah, you can protest all you want to. If you broke, they're going to just wait you out. <laughs> you know, like, yes. like, like, okay, they'll move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as we end, I want you to give some shine and talk about what you were doing. So, you just mentioned 17 the market and what's coming. Um, tell the people what's happening there. <laughs> what are you building, um, and how great is it going to be? Man, I, well, I pray that it'll be it'll be amazing. I mean, like, <laughs> for real. No, I mean, it's it's an 18,000 square foot technology training center with free childcare. It'll have free childcare. Free childcare, okay. yeah, because because you know we talk about like hurdles. I mean, like obstacles and stuff, right? That that's one of those things, right? Like you gotta and and you know everything that we do in Amp is all about family anyway. That's so right. like that's that was like sort of a natural thing. Co-working space that's on the first floor, uh, childcare center, co-working space, um, uh, a cafe like mm-hmm. a, a cold cafe. We're looking at trying to bring. I won't say the name, but we're trying to bring like a, some sort of grocery store in there. We got mm-hmm. additional land that we're gonna build on with a green space and a beautiful playground and all that. The second floor will be a 4,000 square foot uh, training center mm-hmm. with offices that will let some people in the community come in and use those offices so that oh. we have people, some stuff centralized so people come into that one space. Mm-hmm. On the third floor will be a 4,000 square foot event space, a conference area, like all this stuff. But, and then, then we have, we just bought, like last year we bought the, 20, the building at 25th and Broadway, the mm-hmm. Amped Innovation Center. Right now we've got um, the University of Louisville and JCPS, our tennis, JCPS put their very first student learning center in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got like about 15,000 square feet of the space. It's a 40,000 square foot building. Wow. And we're built, we're actually, the, the top, the rest of it will be an um, uh, arts business incubator. So an incubator specifically for uh, visual and performing artists. Oh. They have 24-hour access to a, to, a, to a space to create, and they'll have a beautiful space. To, we call it a show space wow. where they can have events. We're already talking to people about bringing artists from, out of, out of the town, I mean, from outside of Louisville mm-hmm. to do shows there. Like sort of a West Louisville uh, uh, Speed Art Museum. Wow. Working with some folks on that. So, and Man. then you know, of course, it's, I, mean, I promise, <laughs> it's, they they they're not here, so they can't laugh at me. But like every time I say, okay, that's it, we gonna that's the last thing we are gonna do. Everybody <laughs> everybody laughs because <laughs> they know. They know. I, I, I drive I drive in my car with the radio off, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking about stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah, no, we just man, just like when, the, the answer to that question is like we literally. Just trying to like make the, the the playing field as level as possible, and I and I think the time is right. You know what I'm saying? And I think the more that we do, the more people understand this. Can we just got to have we just got to have uh, honest brokers, man. We got to have um, even people like look, that look like us mm-hmm. being honest about what it is they want to do, and not just riding this trend, this money train. Because when the money first came out, you know this. Yep. We were in we were in, we were in meetings, man. Where like because I think one another one because I, I ain't good at like keeping my mouth shut. Like I really 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 not. I mean, and not in a bad not in a bad way. I just like I don't I don't ever want to upset anybody. Or, like you know what I'm saying? I'm never mm-hmm. that guy. But like you're in the room because there's money in the room, and all you're trying to figure out is how do you get a piece of it. But you're not because I remember like in the one like I'm just like 
look, get off the call. If you if you if you need all these answers, that's like because yeah. I remember like, it's like we family. Why are you acting like we're not family? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, let me just say this, man. What y'all are doing is uh, phenomenal over in AMP. It always has been, you. and to see it grow, um, and just in the short stint that I've been here, it's been just amazing to watch. Um, and then, as I said at the top, man, like to to have you as as a friend and a resource yes. and somebody that I can, you know, you know ping and, and, and bounce things off of and to just, you know, really vibe with around how do we do this work and how do we go um, further, faster, uh, has truly been a blessing for me um, as a leader um, and as just somebody who's invested in black people and in this community. And so thank you for, for everything that you've done. Obviously, thank you for your partnership with the league because, I mean, as far as we've come over the past, mm -hmm. you know, seven, eight years, yeah. um, you know, some of that is absolutely attributable to you and the support that you've been able to give to us and the ways in which you've pushed us as an organization. And so thank you so much for that, brother. And I just wish you nothing but um, continued success and wellness and, and anything, you know, anything that the league can do. Can I, can I say you. this real quick? Yeah. You know way back when. <laughs> I tell people, don't discredit or don't underestimate the power of people supporting you, telling them how much they love you, how much they believe in you, and how much that means. You think everybody got to throw dollars at it, but, like, when y'all say, okay, to, to validate what we trying to do, like, even when we weren't, when we was, like, trying to figure out how to make payroll, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> trying, trying to figure out, like, you know, like, how to get the, you know, all the things, right? All the things that, that led to where we are now, right? A lot of that happened because I knew I had people around me that wasn't gonna let me fall. It wasn't. It wasn't about like how do I get more money. How would I, like, it's like I know these people believe in me. They're gonna support me, and I and I'm in. So I appreciate y'all. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, that is uh, the show for today. Thank you for joining us here on Listen Up, Louisville Urban League's radio show and podcast. Remember, you can join us every week on Thursday from 12 to 12.30 on 101.9 FM, WLLV, or 12.40 AM, or find us anytime uh, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we look forward to seeing you. Hey, uh, just as a reminder, we got gala tickets that are available. Y'all come out and party with us uh, for the Derby Gala on May 3rd. We got uh, Joe, Drew Hill, and Stokely. It is going to be a fun, fun night so go ahead and get y'all's tickets now but uh take care of yourselves louisville and we will see you next week the louisville urban league derby gala is happening may 3rd featuring musical guests joe drew hill and stokely listen up listeners can win a pair of tickets to the show all you have to do is tune in weekly to the Listen Up Radio Show, listen for the contest keyword, then email giveaway at lul.org with your name, phone number, and keyword. Contest runs from March 2nd through April 15th, 2023. One entry per person per episode with seven chances to win. The contest is open to adults 18 and up. This week's keyword is bell hooks. 
The Louisville Urban League wants to make sure that every student thrives academically. And to make that possible, the league is offering free intensive tutoring to JCPS students who qualify. Kindergarten through 12th grade students can receive expert help in reading, math, and ACT prep. Kids like me deserve every opportunity to succeed and to reach our greatest potential. Sign your student up today. To learn more, visit lul.org or call 502-585-4622.